Well, hello again. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you guys. I'm glad that you're here. Before we get into our message, a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us. And uh, in the seat back in front of you, there is a connection card there. Uh, feel free to fill that out, and you can turn that in in the back there by the kiosk. It helps us to stay in touch with you, um, keep you up to date on what's going on. And back at our guest table there, there is a, a gift. Feel free to take one of those for yourself. Wave for us to say thank you for being here. And then tithes and offerings, if you missed the, the three-minute window uh, for the buckets, do not despair, fear not. You can still give in the back. We have the kiosk there, or you can give at Life Church Utah. Dot com, And then starting next Sunday, we are going to have an adult Bible Sunday school class. Uh, very excited about that. I know there's a lot of you that have been missing that. Uh, it will be downstairs in the back classroom. It will go from 930 to 1030. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, come and check that out. Uh, Terry will be leading it and uh, we got him some good uh, materials. I don't know which class he chose. I gave him three, um, and so the bait of Satan. Um, I have personally not gone through that one, but I've heard that if you want to be challenged, if you want to go deeper, if you really want to grow in your walk, go to that class. So um, be there, because I think it'll benefit you. Um, so I hope you guys had a good week. My week was a tad crazy. It was very busy, but uh, last Sunday we started a new series called Teach Us to pray. And we set the foundation as to why we pray, where it came from, how it impacted the lives of those in the Bible. And I hope that through this past week, you found some more time to engage in prayer, that if you had to make time, you made that time. I shared with you the thought that you can't have a relationship without communication. I shared the truth that God desires a relationship with us, that we were designed to have a relationship with him. And we went back to the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and how the, the text lends itself to the idea that God was in the habit of meeting with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, walking with them, having fellowship with them. And that just because the fall happened and they were pushed out of the Garden of Eden didn't mean that that desire inside of us and inside of God's heart did not go away. That desire was still there to have that relationship. And we are meant, and if we are to, if we are meant, let me gather my thoughts, if we are meant to have that relationship with him, how could we have a relationship if we didn't communicate with him, if we did not talk with him? And that's where prayer comes into the picture. Now, from a very young age, I have had a great example of work ethic from both my mom and my dad. This picture that's up there is a picture of us from a few years ago, probably a little more than a few years ago. That's why I think it's one of those uh, lagoon pictures. That's, that's mom and dad and then me and my three sisters. And... Um, my dad has always been a man that would give all he can to make sure that his family was provided for. 
He is a man that takes great pride in the work he does. And the work that he does is not always the safest or the easiest. And he is, in every sense of the phrase, an essential worker. Uh, he has been a truck driver for all of my life, and uh, a dang good one at that. Uh, if I do say so myself, I have seen him back a set of doubles up. How many of us can back up one trailer? Now add another trailer to it and back that up into a dock. He's done it. I've seen it. You know, kudos to dad. But um, I would argue that he is more reliable than the mailman. Not only does he work come rain, sleet, snow, or sunshine, but he works when he doesn't feel well. He works when there's extra hours required of him. And it comes from this concern for his family and his customers. If the customer doesn't get their freight, they won't have anything to sell to their customers. And if their customers don't have anything to buy, well, then it affects the store, which could affect the economy. But at the top of that list, I would say, is his family. He's concerned at making sure his family always has what they needed. Growing up, you know, he was the only one that worked. He was the breadwinner. And we never went without. We never, uh, we had what we needed. You know, I may not have received every single toy that I wanted. I may have not had the designer clothes. But those things didn't matter. They didn't matter to me. I quite honestly didn't know what designer clothes were until probably high school when people were wearing their guests and their drabos and Doc Martens. They were big back then, and then they faded, and now they're back, you know. But I, those things didn't matter. I, I had what I needed. I had food in my belly. I had a roof over my head. I had a place to call home. And while dad was at work, mom wasn't around taking siestas. She wasn't at home sleeping or taking naps, uh, watching her soap operas. I don't think my mom ever watched a soap opera. But she was working her tail off. Four kids is a lot of work. I've got two. That's a lot of work. She was making sure that us four kids were getting off to school, that um, she would help us with homework where she could. You know, and now being out of school for 20 years, and Ava comes to me like, Dad, she's in fourth grade. So this says less about me, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that's a, they're teaching new math. That's what it is. It's not, it's not 8 plus 8 equals 16 anymore. Let's be honest. It's like, sweetheart, I have no idea what this even means. I, it doesn't. So my mom tried. I tried. But I, I digress. But my mom... You know, every night I've, I've told the stories how she would make us dinner. She made sure that we were bathed, that we had clean clothes, we had a clean bed. Uh, my mom worked hard. And I would say that that comes from a place of love and wanting to give her husband and her kids a home, a place of refuge, of peace, a place where the family could come together and feel safe. My parents have great work ethic. Now, I'm not saying that mine is on par with them, but it has been instilled in me from a very early age. I remember from about age 10, I started mowing lawns and shoveling sidewalks in the winter to earn a little bit of money, because when you want to buy a video game, you got you to go earn some money. Uh, when it was legal for me to get a job, I started my first career at McDonald's. Where are my McDonald's people? 
Don't be ashamed. That's right. I tell you what, that was the place where I tested my metabolism or probably killed it. I don't know how many chicken nuggets I ate. And back then, you had supersized. I would take a supersized chocolate shake home almost every time I closed. Um, I was talking with one of our fellow uh, people in the congregation and uh, about how, now we weren't breaking the rules because the manager knew, so we weren't, we were probably stealing, and Lord, I apologize. But they have cookies, and back then the dough was frozen, it was actual cookie dough. And so the manager would let us put a tray in the oven and put a tray out, and we could walk by and grab a clump of cookie dough and eat it. It was fantastic. You know, I, I really enjoyed that job. It was fun. <laughs> Just making, I think I was making six seventy-five an hour. It wasn't, that wasn't enough. I needed, I moved on. I graduated to Harmon's and started making seven twenty-five an hour. I was moving on up. But now as an adult, I find myself in the same place as my dad. You know, Harrison will ask me at night when we're praying before he goes to bed, or gosh, anymore, it's just at random, but, Daddy, do you have to work? Yeah. He'll be laying in bed. Well, do you have to work tomorrow? Yes. Do you have to work tomorrow after that? Yes. How about tomorrow after that? Yes. And we'll go through all of them, and we'll get to Saturday. I'm like, well, I don't have to go work for Pepsi, but I do go to the church and do stuff there. And, well, what about Sunday or the day after that? I'm like, well, yeah, we have church that day. And he's like, well, can't you quit one or both of your jobs? Because I work for Pepsi and here at the church. And I tell him, well, do you enjoy having food in your belly? Yes. Do you like having a bed to sleep in? Yes. Do you like having toys to play with? Well, Yes. Well, then I have to go to work. I know it's hard because I'm gone during the day and busy, but it's necessary so we can have what we need to live life. I need to work at Pepsi because it pays the bills. Well, then what about the church? Well, I tell them, well, I don't want to quit that one. I, I love that one. That one is the best part of my week. He doesn't understand yet, and I hope that one day he does that I am motivated to work to provide for my family. I am motivated to teach on Sundays because I believe that's what God has called me to do. For now, this is the season we are in. There are things every day that motivate us. What is it that motivates you to get out of bed, whether it's early in the morning or the afternoon or at night if you work a graveyard shift? What is it that gets you up to go to work? What is it that motivates you to care for your kids? What motivates you in your walk with the Lord? What is it that pushes you forward in seeking Jesus? Today's message, for all intents and purposes, is part two of last week's message. We laid the foundation last week as to why prayer exists. Why do we engage in it? But today we're going to look at the motivation behind prayer. And we're going to use the same base scripture, Matthew 6 verses 5 through 13, but we're also going to jump into Job and read some of the Psalms, and we're going to explore the different aspects of praying, not so much as to why we pray, but more of the motivation as to why we pray. We're going to look at this before we start into going through the Lord's Prayer starting next week. So what is it that causes us to fall on our knees and pray? 
What is the motivation behind praying? By the time I finished the message uh, last night, this was the thought I had. May what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. May what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for another opportunity to dive into your word, another opportunity to look at the principles that are within its pages. And I pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that we would be challenged. I pray, Father, this morning that you would use your word to change and impact our lives. Open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, our eyes to see what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this teaching of prayer is pretty much right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever given. Jesus is addressing a large crowd. As we have seen through many of our studies, people are always thronging to see, to be with Jesus, and he was going to use this opportunity of this group of people to teach them on many different principles. He began his message with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He then talks about many different things. He talks about us being the light and the salt of the earth. He talks about the fulfillment of the law and murder, and adultery, and divorce, and taking up oaths, and the, the scripture of an eye for an eye, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, fasting, treasures in heaven. He talks about worrying and judging others, asking, seeking, and knocking, the narrow and wide gates, and the tree and its fruit. And he ends with the wise and foolish builders. Throughout this sermon, the theme that he seems to keep coming back to is the motivation. What is the motivation to not murder? What is the motivation to not commit adultery? What is the motivation for you to give? What is the motivation for you to fast? What is the motivation for you to pray? 
There are three things that I can think of, and I, I know there's more, but three main things that I thought of that can motivate us to pray. And I would like to look at them and explore them this morning. The first, for selfish reasons. We could be motivated to pray out of selfish reasons. One thing we need to understand about this time and culture that Jesus lived in, it was maybe a little different than ours, but I would say only kind of, because you would look at them and say that they were a very religious society. Everybody had their gods. Everybody had their faiths. And while it may look like America, the world, has pushed its away, uh, away from religion, I would say that our idols just look different. I would say that instead of little idols or pictures and paintings of gods and deities, that we've done other things to proclaim worship for our idols. We may not have a religious society by the way of the standard uh, definition, but I would say that we are a society that likes to worship the work of our own hands, that our we like to worship our own intelligence, science, even setting ourselves up as gods, proclaiming that we can set and make our own truth. As a society, yes, we have turned from Jesus. We have accepted behaviors and practices that are contrary to God's word. Make no mistake, we have plenty of idols at our disposal to worship. In Jesus' day, the Israelites lived under the control of Rome. A Hellenistic society, they believed in the gods of Greek mythology, Zeus, Ares, Poseidon, Aphrodite, while the Israelites practiced Judaism, following the laws and the teachings of Moses. Everything in that society was an outward expression. People wanted other people to see, they were, see what they were doing. They wanted, it, they wanted to be noticed. They wanted people to think that you were on the up and up. Sound familiar? You ever watch TikTok or Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, whatever other social media platform is out there? We too want to be noticed for what is on the surface, for what we are doing. To me, that's the problem with social media. I can give you a highlight reel of my life and you think that I've got it all together. You think that I don't have struggles. You think that I don't have pain. And for some reason, we're okay with that as a society, to live in this place of a false reality, I guess. We don't want to share the ugly. We don't want to share the pain, the hurt. For some reason, we're ashamed of it, as if no one else in the world is going through anything. Little secret, we're all going through something. We all have our struggles. We all have our pains, our hurts. That's why we need to get into each other's stories. That's why we need to fellowship with one another. That's why we need to get to know each other for more than just the surface stuff. See, the Pharisees were among the best at getting attention for what they did on the surface. They were constantly doing things out of selfish reasons. They wanted to be noticed praying in the streets. They wanted to be noticed uh, that they were fasting. Uh, Jesus talks about that they would make their face look gaunt. You could tell that they were fasting, that they were hungry. But he says, no, don't let them, don't let people know that that's what you're doing. 
and he was challenging their motivations for what they did. See, if you are motivated to do the things of God for the attention of man, then you have your reward. You have your attention. See, we have this obsession of wanting to be famous, of being recognized. In our culture, we want to be seen. We put everything on display, making people think that it's all good on the inside while ignoring what's really going on on the inside. We can also call on God to do things for selfish reasons. For those of you that were here last week, you might recall the story of a gal that started coming around after I'd given my life to Jesus and that I was praying for God to get a hold of her heart, get a hold of her, let her become a Christian. And, you know, what, 20 years later, what was my motivation behind that? Was I really, truly concerned about her salvation, about her knowing Jesus, or was I more concerned about justifying a relationship for myself? I would say it was quite selfish, quite immature. Then we make the mistake that if God doesn't do the things that we are praying for, we're going to be offended, we're going to be mad, we're going to walk away. If you're praying, if you're giving, if you're fasting for the attention, then you've missed the whole point and the heart of the practice. As we talked about last week, the first and primary goal of prayer is to draw close to Jesus, to get to know him better, to build a relationship with him. So may what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. The second thing I thought of is because of hard times or needs in our lives. There's nothing better than a hard time to get us to fall on our knees, on our knees. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the first day of the program called Master's Commission where I did my seminary classes to get my credentials. And we were all meeting in the sanctuary of the church. And our instructor was late. He's never late. And I can't remember if he came and got us or we went to the office. I just remember we went into the office and on that day, we were watching the news, and terrorists had flown two planes into the World Trade Centers. And I remember the next Sunday, and several Sundays after that, the church was packed. People rushed to the one place hope and peace could be found, the church. I often wonder uh, if it hadn't been outlawed, and that's strong language, but to me, that's what it felt like. But if it wouldn't have been a violation, <clears throat> excuse me, a violation to go to church at the beginning of COVID, I wonder how many people would have come to church to seek the Lord. We had COVID hit, then we had the earthquake, and no one was allowed to go to the one place to find hope, the church. You know, I think of the story of Job. Job was an upright and blameless man, someone that followed God and shunned evil, but the Lord saw fit that Job be tested. You find his story in his own book called Job, and I'm going to read you from chapter, read from chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. It says, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. 
Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well. Then everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. The first thing I want us to realize is God is not the one that caused the harm to Job. He allowed Job to be tested. He allowed that to take place, but God did not conflict or inflict any of what would happen to Job because God was confident that Job would not curse him. He, he, knew that, he knew Job's character, and for the next 42 chapters, we see how Satan takes everything from him. He takes from him his kids. He leaves his nagging wife who tells him to curse God and die. But he takes from him his, his wealth and all of his possessions, and still he won't curse God. So then God allows sores to be inflicted upon his body, and Job scrapes them off, and still he will not curse God. He questions he cries out as to why, but he stays faithful. Job cried out to God from a place of desperation. He was in need. He was in pain. He was confused. He didn't understand. And Job didn't shy away from calling out to God and asking the questions, seeking for answers and asking for help. And God didn't shy away from those questions. Sometimes... God will allow us to go through hard times to test our character or to get our attention like he did with the Israelites because they had turned their back on God and he was trying to get their attention to come back to him. Sometimes hard times hit us because of our choices, because of the decisions that we make and we pay the consequence for those decisions. The hard times can motivate us to pray. My hope is that even though I go through a hard time, I can be like Job and I can keep my faith. To not let the valley of the trial break my spirit or my trust in the Lord. Because if we can hold fast, if we can trust, when we get to the other side, our faith will be increased. Spoiler alert, at the end of Job, God restores Job, not to just where he was, but blesses him beyond what he already had. God did not forget Job. He did not forsake Job. He remembered Job, and he blessed him. What Job went through deepened his relationship with the Lord. My friends, when we go through a hard time, where we see God in the midst of the hard time will grow our faith, or decrease our faith. If we will trust him and walk through it with him, it will grow our faith. So may what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. The third thing I thought of was a genuine place of relationship. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 1, to the 
choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Psalm 145, 18 and 19, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Psalm 55, 17, evening, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Psalm 18, 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Zechariah 13, 9. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. In Psalm 66, 17. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. I believe that this is the motivation that God desires most. A place where we come to him with hearts that are lifted up in praise and in a desire to grow in knowing him. A place where we say, Lord, search me, know me. I want to know you. To declare that desire uh, for the rela that relationship with him. A place where we take refuge in him. A place where we ask him to lead us, show us the ways of everlasting. My friends, at the end of the day, no matter if the motivation to pray is because of a valley, a hard time that we are walking through, or a mountaintop, we're in a good place. We need to remember to pray in the good place as well. May it be in a place of genuine worship. If you read the Psalms, if you read Lament, 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 Lamentations, thank you, Jeremiah, the story of Moses leading the Israelites, you will find that God is not offended nor scared of your prayers, whether they come from anger, confusion, frustration, joy, or reverence, but that he welcomes them. He wants the dialogue. He wants you to come to him. So may what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. May what motivates us to pray draw us closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that there are things in this life that, that, that can motivate us to pray. And I pray, Father, that first it comes from a, a genuine place of wanting to know you more, to build that relationship with you. I pray, Father, that as we seek you, you would 
reveal yourself to us, that our relationship would grow, that you would search us and know us, that you would reveal to us things inside our own hearts, our own spirits that, that need change, that we wouldn't shy away from those things, but we would approach them with you and ask you to be with us and walk with us. And I pray, Father, that as we go through life, we are going to hit hard times. We are going to go through valleys. I pray, Jesus, that we would come to you with those, that we would come boldly and ask you for answers, ask you for direction, ask you to make your will known, your way known, that we would pour out our hearts to you because your word says to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So I pray that we would cast those things upon you because you do care. Help us to trust you as we go through the hard times, that as we go through them, our faith is built. We are encouraged. We are strengthened. And when we get through to the other side, we can say, look at what God has done. Look at how he has brought me through. This is how I have grown. This is how I have changed. This is how he has blessed me. And Father, if we seek you out of any reason that is selfish, Lord, put a, a check within our spirit that we would know and that we would change that prayer to, to a prayer that is wanting to discern your will and, and to live life according to your word and, and your ways. I pray, Father, that we would be motivated to seek you because in that we will grow, we will know you more. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> My friends, may we be a people that will call on the name of the Lord. Look at the times we're in. Look at our country. It's being torn apart. There is pain. There is hurt. There is confusion. There is frustration. There is divisiveness all around us. People are hurting. People are hurting people. People are killing people. People are perishing without knowing who Jesus is. So no matter the motivation to pray, to pray for the lost, to pray for our church family, to pray for your personal needs, to pray for your relationship with Jesus to grow, no matter what it is that pushes us to pray, may we be in the habit of praying May we cry out, may we present our concerns, may we ask our questions, but may we worship and grow in our relationship with him. For it is only Jesus who can bring peace, hope, and love. Amen? Amen. All right. I love you guys. I thank you for being here. I hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you next time. God bless.